Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 20. It's where we started last week. And we talked a little bit about David and about what he was going through, perhaps in Psalm 20. Um, and then 21, that's what I meant to say. Uh, then 21, the tone kind of changes. And uh, I can identify with that because my tone changes from time to time as well. And there are those times when the Lord's presence is so strong. It's always there, but sometimes it's just it seems to be stronger or more noticeable, that type of thing, than others. And uh, we walk in victory, and then other times we stumble, we trip up. Sometimes it's intentional because we just fall into sin. We do it willingly. Other times we do it like Galatians chapter 6. We're overtaken in a fault, the Bible says, and that means a, a false step. Sometimes we just trip up, and uh, that's an embarrassing thing. And it's also one of those things that uh, catches you off guard. And uh, in, in those situations, what is it that we think and what is it that we feel and how do we relate to God? Well, I'll ask you a question. In Psalm 20, when you have a David who is getting ready to go into battle, he's unsure about the victory, unsure if he's going to survive it, actually. And then you have in Psalm 21, a David who has come through the battle. He's wearing the victor's crown, maybe even the crown of the king that he defeated. And he's joyful and he's happy. Which David do you think is the better, I don't know, I hate to say advertisement, but the better testimony for the Lord? The depressed David or the victorious David? What would your guess be? I'm not hearing anything. Just go ahead and say it. You guys can talk louder than that. Victorious. So what do you think the Lord's attitude about us, if we're to glorify His name, when do you think we do a better job glorifying His name? When we're under His discipline and we're just mad and angry and frustrated? When we are under the burden of a trial? Or when we are walking in victory? When do you think we are better and more influential and more impactful in our testimony for Christ? Victory. victory. Now we talk about victory but how many people do you know, including yourself, who actually ever get to the point to where they really live in victory in uh, all of their life? And you don't know very many, I'll guarantee you that. Because a lot of times we sing about it, we talk about it, people preach on it, but the experience of it is uh, sometimes elusive uh, for us. And so we're going to talk about that tonight as we look in Psalm 21, and we're just going to look at two verses. One of them overlaps from last week. And we're going to think about the fact that when victory is in our lives, we obviously have more impact for the Lord than we do when that victory is eluding us. Okay? And uh, then we also want to think about this. What do you think God's attitude is? What would He rather have you, as a believer, as a member of Graceway Baptist Church, would he rather have you walking in defeat, walking you in despair, having you walk in despair, having you walk uh, in, a, in a depressed state, maybe we could say? Or would he rather have you walking in joy and walking in victory and that type of thing? And so I came to this conclusion studying for this. God is more interested in your victory and my victory than even we are. 
Okay, because it affects so many things. It affects the way you live. It affects your attitude toward other people. It affects your attitude toward the Word of God, the attitude toward church. It affects your attitude toward witnessing, toward prayer, toward Bible study. All of that is affected because it just seems to be easier, more exciting when we're walking in victory than it does when we just are making ourselves do it and just kind of doing our duty uh, when we walk with the Lord. And so, you know, I kind of thought of that and I thought, shame on me and all of us when we get into that uh, situation. So I want to answer a question tonight with this message and with our points. And the question is, why God wants you to live in victory? Why does he care? Does he just want us to muddle through? You know, the uh, song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, when it originally came out, it's kind of a depressing song. And it says, but until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. And uh, it was a movie Julie Garland was in when it first premiered. And uh, I heard a story one time that it was Frank Sinatra that was going to record it on a Christmas album. And it didn't sound very Christmassy. And so he asked a lyricist, can you jolly it up a little? And I thought about that in church. Could we jolly it up a little? Could we do that with our personal life, with our Bible study, with our day-to-day uh, -day life, with uh, everything that we have to do, even the most mundane things? Wouldn't it be great if we could do it in victory and we could do it in joy, if we could do it in anticipation that God's going to bless it, that it's going to bear spiritual fruit, that it's going to matter? All of us want to matter in our life. We want our lives to count for the Lord. Well, that's kind of what uh, David has been going through. And uh, I was reading in a commentary by Dr. Steve Lawson, and he said, this psalm may have been connected originally with Psalm 20 because the structure and the contents are similar. If so, Psalm 20 is a prayer offered uh, before battle, and it's a request for a victory as David prepared to lead his armies into the conflict. Thus, Psalm 21 would be a prayer offered by David after this same battle, after he, the Lord, defeated their enemies. Well, if that's the case, then we go through battles. You've been through some battles today. We go through periods where we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we grieve. And uh, by the way, grief doesn't always happen just because someone we love dies. There can be the death of a business, the death of a dream. There can be the death of maybe family unity. There can be the, a, a lot of things like that that we can go through. And we grieve through all of that. And the Lord wants to bring us victory even in the worst of our circumstances, but we think we have to have everything just right. Everything has to be in order. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be to our liking. Then I can have victory, but really victory shows up in uh, the battle, in the midst of the battle. And we can't avoid the battles of life. We're constantly battling the flesh, and we know who our enemy is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And uh, we sometimes wish that, oh, if the Lord would just take us out of all of the battle and out of all of the troubles. Well, that means you want to go to heaven. And you do want to go to heaven, don't you? And we all want to go to heaven. But 
like the little boy said, just not right now. And there are some things we want to do and some experiences we want to have, some people that we want to bless. And we can be confident that the Lord will take us to heaven in good time and in due time and when it's time, I guess we would say. And so, uh, but until then, we're going to have battles while we're in this life. So look at Psalm 21 in your Bible and look at verse 6. And David says, For you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. Now, a good question. Would that describe you? And if not, then how close are you to that description? And if you're a long way away from that description, then uh, I pray tonight that this will minister to you. Look at verse 7. For the king, that means David, trusts in the Lord. Well, we would certainly hope so. And through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. And, and, and when David speaks here, he's speaking in terms, not in uh, just spiritual terms like we do. I will not be moved. I'm going to stand firm in the Lord. Well, David's not talking so much about that. He's talking about as a king. He's talking about... My throne is established. I'm not going to be assassinated. I'm not going to be conquered by anyone else. The Lord has put me here and I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to fulfill the will, the plan and the purpose of God. You remember the Lord had made a covenant with David. Uh, but yet he also talks not only about victory, but he talks about mercy. Now, one of the things that you ought to do whenever you see the word mercy, maybe it's in a song, maybe it's in a hymn that we sing, maybe it is in a verse of scripture that you read. There's only one reason you need mercy, and it's the same reason you need grace. It's because you failed. It's because you messed up. So David is not saying, I fought the perfect battle, and that's why all of this is happening. No, I need mercy because he's made mistakes. He has sinned. He has been foolish. He has done things that he's ashamed of. And he recognizes that if he got what he deserved, he would not be on the throne. If he got what he deserved, he would not be living. And if he got what he deserved, he wouldn't be counting his blessings, so to speak. But uh, he recognizes this is all the work of God. So as we look at these two little verses, they uh, have some great things to say uh, why does God want us to walk in victory? And why does he even care about all of that? And is he, does he have a word of encouragement for you tonight? Does he have a word to give to us out of his word? And the first thing we want to answer that question about God blessing us, think about this, or God giving us victory, I got ahead of myself, is number one, because God loves to bless his children. Think about that. God is not reluctant to bless you. He doesn't just go, okay, here, take a crumb, take something here and, and be happy with it. He loves to bless his children. Now, where are we when we think about blessings? You all know the hymn, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Well, it's true because sometimes we think we're not very blessed, but we're not looking very well either we're not seeing it we're not understanding it but uh, if I were to ask you tonight to share five blessings that are in your life right now with somebody around you I'm not going to take the time to do that 
But if I were to ask you, now be honest, what would you name? Because I'm afraid most of the time when I hear people count their blessings, they're things like, well, I was sick and the Lord made me well. Is that a blessing? Absolutely, that is. That's a wonderful thing. Sometimes the blessing might be, well, I got a raise. And uh, is that a blessing? Well, you bet it. You bet it is. That's actually a blessing. Uh, different things might come to our mind. But I want to ask you a question. Do you ever think about the spiritual things? Are our blessings always temporal, material, earthly, emotional, whatever? We could put more adjectives to it. Are, are they that type of things? Because I think David is not simply saying, I fought a battle, I came home, and I got more gold. God really has blessed me. I, I don't think that captures everything that's going on. And yet that's where we live. We think of a blessing as something I go to the mailbox and I pull out of it. We think of a blessing as something that makes me just really giddy and happy and joyful and that type of thing. We forget what the Bible says about our blessings because there's never a time that we're not blessed. So David said, for you have made him most blessed. And then he says this other word, forever. Most blessed forever. And that's what got my attention. You see, most of the blessings that I have and enjoy, they don't last forever. I'm going to leave them behind when I die if I even have them that long. So David is talking about something much bigger, much greater, much more valuable, much more important than that. Maybe he's talking about the blessing of breathing. He's just been through a battle. He could have been killed. Maybe he's talking about the blessing of winning the battle so that he can sit on his throne and he's not having to worry about whoever he was fighting coming and taking away his kingdom. I don't know. But there's something in here that he understands because you notice it has the word made, made him. For you have made him most blessed forever. You see, the, the thing we have to kind of come to grips with is really we don't bless ourselves, do we? We don't really bless ourselves. See, David, if he looked at all of that and he said, Oh, what a blessing it is to know the Lord. Well, why did he know the Lord? Well, we, you know your Bible well enough to know it's because God revealed himself to David. Not because David was smart or not because David figured it out. God had revealed himself to David. David is the king. Why is David the king? Was it just blind luck that he happened to be uh, you know, the son of Jesse, as it was prophesied in the scripture? Was it just blind luck that Samuel showed up at his house one day when he was a boy and brought him out of the pasture to be anointed as king? Was it just blind luck that caused him to happen to uh, take a stone and a slingshot and with all of Goliath's armor, it hit in just the right place to knock him out, to cause him to fall down so David could kill him. I mean, all of the things that David had been through, was it just luck? Was it just coincidence? Was it just good fortune or anything like that? Well, Romans 13, remember, it tells us that there's no authority except that which is given by God. Why is David on the throne? Why is he preserved to be on the throne? Why are those prophecies fulfilled? And that's because of God. You've made him to be blessed. So I'm going to ask you, 
What about your blessings? What about the ones that really matter? What about the forever blessings, the spiritual blessings? How many of those things do you have? And uh, how many things do you recognize as blessings? How many things do you just take for granted? How many of those things do you not appreciate the way that you should? Because um, the Bible has something for us to see in, in all of this. And it's all because of God. And God is good, we say, all the time. And all the time, God is good. But we sure don't act like it. And we sure don't feel it a lot of times. And so the blessings of God are something that go way, way beyond what we might understand or what we might think about. We've got to raise up our thinking and we've got to get on the same level that uh, God is on. And think about this. We not only don't praise Him enough for our blessings because we're looking at the wrong things in the wrong place, but think about this. What do you complain about? And most of the things you complain about are not eternal things. They're not even big things. Most of them are temporary things. Most of them are things that are going to pass. Most of them are things that aren't even going to matter a month from now. And we complain about those things. And we notice those things when they don't work out. But we sure don't seem to notice them when they do work out. Now Paul calls us to look at eternal blessedness, just like David mentioned here, and it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, in verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's a big blessing, isn't it? Having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ, to whom, to Himself, pardon me, according to the good pleasure of His will. He was pleased and happy to do it, not reluctant. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved that's a permanent state that will never change paul said if you only knew if you only understood you wouldn't get so concerned about light temporary momentary afflictions because you are blessed and you are super blessed is the way this is because it's in christ and that doesn't change so we get ourselves all wrapped up in everything and we forget this world is not our home. We're only passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And I don't know about you, but for me, with every year and every season that passes by, I feel less and less in tune and comfortable with the things of this world. Nothing seems to make sense anymore. It seems to be out of step. It doesn't seem to be fun or pleasing or anything. It seems to be perverted and it seems to be nasty and it seems to be something that is not what I used to think about the world and the culture in which I live in. I think that's common. I think we all do that as we get older if we're in the Lord. And so Paul is saying we've got to look up and we've got to look to the Lord. And that's what David did. The temporary blessing of that battle victory was great. 
But that wasn't the whole story. That wasn't the whole thing. And if you were blessed with a million or two dollars tomorrow, that would be a great blessing. But it's not the whole story of your life. And uh, one of these days, you're going to leave all of it behind. And you're going to be amazed at how God has blessings and an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. And I don't think that we consider those kind of things enough. And when we do, we kind of overlook them. Secondly... Think about this, because God's presence is joyful for his children. Think about the presence of God, the presence of God. Now, if you're like a lot of people, you think, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can be in the presence of God. Now, you need to get your theology straight, because God is omnipresent. You know what that means? He is where? Everywhere. That means you're in the presence of God right now that means when you go to work you're in the presence of god that means when you go home and you have to clean up a mess from uh, kids or grandkids you're in the presence of god always 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 in the presence of god and uh, does the lord ever leave us or ever forsake us uh, no bible's clear about that so you have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. When is the last time you could say about the presence of God? I had my quiet time and I was exceedingly glad. I went to church and I was exceedingly glad. I helped somebody and served somebody and I was exceedingly glad. Have you ever had your glad quotient just exceed whatever your capacity was? And exceed your expectation? Well, David did. You've made him exceedingly glad and what made him exceedingly glad the presence of God so is God glorified in the world by a discouraged believer or a joyful victorious believer we've already answered that and think about this without the battle there would be no victory David is talking about victory here because he went through a battle there's no battle without the victory and think about this the battle determines the scope of the blessing now, back in um, the 80s, we had come out of Vietnam in the uh, 70s. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a rough time for the military. Kind of a rough time. But you remember President Reagan, one of the, his goals was to build up the military and also to kind of restore a sense of patriotism among the American people. And it was during that time that we had our first military operation since Vietnam. Vietnam had kind of been written down as not quite as successful as we are normally uh, thinking the American military would be. And even though President Nixon said we're going to withdraw with honor, I think all of us kind of, as we saw the helicopters leaving Saigon and the country fall to communism, we think, what, what was all of this about? And why do we lose 58,000 of our young men uh, for this. This is not what we're quite used to. And so um, during the uh, Reagan administration, there was a thing that happened in uh, an island called Grenada. You remember that? And we sent our forces in to rescue some medical students there, and they did it, they were successful, and they came out and they came back. And uh, it was kind of an exciting thing. But I want to ask you a question. How long has it been since you thought about the Battle of Grenada? Don't think about it. Uh, is there a holiday for that? 
How many of you are old enough to remember VE Day or VJ Day? Anybody? Got a few of you. How would you compare the celebration after World War II compared to the celebration after Grenada? No comparison, is there? Why? Because one was a much bigger battle. Can I just say this? The battle you're in, the scope of it, the difficulty of it, the hardship of it determines the blessing and the joy that you get when it's over. And yet we want to run from battles and we don't want any big battles. We don't want any decisive battles. We don't want anything that's really going to matter. And yet that's really where the blessing is. And so you don't get victory without a battle. And the size of the battle determines the scope of your blessing. And so we've got to rethink all of this because when we look at a battle, oh no, why is this happening? Where's God? Why is God not with me? Oh Lord, help me. And he says, I've been with you all the time. You have my presence. You have my power. You have my strength. I'm never unaware of you. I'm never absent from you. And uh, I'm walking with you through this. This is all designed so I can give you greater joy, greater victory, and a greater blessing. So we've got to rethink some of this type of thing because joy is available then at all times and in all situations because we always have the presence and the power of God. I want to read a few scriptures. Psalm uh, 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, let's think about that. Does that mean I have to wait to go to heaven before any, I get anything like that? Or am I in the presence of God now as we speak? Well, John chapter 15, verse 19, the Lord Jesus says, As the Father loved me... I also have loved you. Isn't that great? Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, there's part of our problem. We're trying to find a way to disobey God and still have his blessing. Okay, that doesn't, ha that doesn't work. We've got to be serious about this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be, not skimpy, not just a little bit, but full, he says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's own life for his friends." In other words, Jesus is saying, this is the will of the Father. All you have to do is be obedient to the Lord and be serious about your obedience and abide in Him and you'll have the love and the joy of the Lord. When can I have that? Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. In other words, that's another way of saying just do what God tells you to do in His Word. Be content with such things as you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you think about that, I always have the presence of God. It's the will of God for me to abide in his love, obey his commandments and be filled with his joy. And 
the presence of God is what brings that joy. So when am I ever out of his presence? When am I ever exempt from doing what he has called me to do in his commandments? And uh, when is there ever a time where he is not with us? So that means then his joy is available no matter where I am, no matter what my circumstances, no matter how hot the battle may be, no matter what may be going on, I can always claim his joy and his love. And that's something that ought to kind of convict us, indict us just a little bit, because we don't live up to what Christ has died to uh, give us, have we? And so I want you to think about this, because of his constant presence, we can have constant joy. Number three. Because faith pleases God. Notice verse 7, the first part, first phrase. For the king trusts in the Lord. So do you? Well, it's easy to say we do. Then the battles come. Then the problems come. And then we panic. Then we wonder what's going on. Then we think that the devil's in control. Then we think that the world is just in control of everything. Where is God? Why is this happening to me? And how can this dare happen to me? I deserve better than this. We may get a little angry. We may get a little snotty, whatever it is. And we may act like that God is like Baal when Elijah was confronting them. That we have to dance around. We have to do things. We have to shout. We have to get his attention. When he's there with us all the time. What's our problem? We don't trust him. We don't trust the word of God. We don't really have faith. And yet the Bible says that uh, it all boils down to faith in every situation. Do we believe God and do we trust in his word? Because in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. Or yeah 11 6 I mean. It says but without faith. It is impossible, that's a big word, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that? Better think about it, because we don't act like it much. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So why don't we diligently seek him? We don't really believe that, do we? We think we can handle it. We think we can muddle through somehow and that it's all going to be okay. So think about this. Faith does not bring victory. Faith is the victory. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You know, we sing that song. But we kind of act like, well, if I can just have enough faith, I'll enter into victory. And God is saying to you, if you'll just trust me, I'll bring the victory to you, even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the hard times. And number four, I'll finish up here, because God is loving and kind to sinners like us. Look at the last part of verse 7. David knew he didn't deserve any of this. God wasn't saying, oh, you've been a good little boy. It wasn't anything like that. God, the gracious king, is giving the undeserving king mercy in all of this, just as he does to you. Do you know you're breathing tonight because of the mercy of God? Do you know that you 
things are not worse. As bad as they may be, they could be a whole lot worse if God took his mercy away from you because you're a sinner after all. It's a good thing God is merciful to sinners like us. That's why I worded it that way. Sinners like us. And through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. We have stability. The plan of God is going to be fulfilled. The purpose of God, even in you and even in me, is going to be fulfilled, even if we don't want it, even if we stray from it. He'll correct us. God is not reluctant to forgive. I think about the prodigal son's father. That's a picture of God. And when the prodigal came back, the father was not reluctant to forgive him. In fact, the father was waiting. And when the father saw him, the father hiked up his robes. And in a most undignified way, he ran to his son. And there his son was. Can you imagine what he looked like? Can you imagine how he smelled? And what does the father do? He doesn't say clean up and then we'll see what happens. He hugs that boy. He embraces him and he kisses him and he weeps over him. And he says get a robe for him and get shoes for his feet and get a ring for his finger. And while you're at it, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. My son has returned. And Jesus tells that story to say this. Have you messed up today? Guarantee you, you have. Are you embarrassed by your sin and your failure? And when you go to God, do you feel like God is up there just kind of going, well, you did it again, didn't you? I do. Do you ever have the enemy whisper in your ear, how dare you do what you just did and act like you just acted, and now you're going to waltz into the presence of God like you're all that in a bag of chips? Because the enemy is always trying to push you away. If you read the prodigal son and you see the father as a picture of God, what does that tell us about him? When we return to him, he is merciful. He is kind. And he is excited about forgiving us of our sins because he's a good, kind, merciful, loving God. And we forget that. We think we have to overcome his reluctance. No, Martin Luther said we don't overcome his reluctance. We lay hold of his willingness. Does that change your perception? I hope it does. And so God is not merciful um, just because we ask. He's merciful because it's his nature to do so. And you're his child bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that blood is there to be applied to you, and the righteousness of Christ is there applied to your record book. Now you've got to live it out, and it's God who wants to do that for you, and he's more interested in your sanctification than you are, by the way. Much more interested in it. So no one is more concerned with your victory than God. It's not just that you're trying real hard and God said, you've almost got it, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. You have a God who wants to give you victory now and in every situation in which you might find yourself. Think about this. Only Jesus can change a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victor. 
We're not just victims of circumstances and of the enemy and all of that while we're here on earth. We are God's representatives, His ambassadors. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the armor of God and we have the victory not only in Jesus but the victory of Jesus as our victory if we would only believe that and if we would only claim that and live that way. That's where the key is. Faith is the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Okay? Amen or oh me? We need to live that. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, if there's ever anything when most of us, even faithful people to the church where we fall short, it's this living in joy, living in victory, victorious in the battles, walking and living by faith instead of by our feelings or our circumstances or our situation in life. Father, would you please forgive us? And would you let us grow a little bit tonight to where we actually understand and see you're with us everywhere we go and with your presence is always the fullness of joy. And in that joy, there's strength, as Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And where there is strength and joy, there is victory. And help us, Lord, when we are called on to pray. Let us do it with joy. When we're called on to teach a lesson and fill in in a Sunday school class or do our regular duty, let us do it with joy. When it comes to singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs or doing a Christmas musical, let us do it in joy. When it comes time to serve other people or to serve the church or reach out to our community, let us do it with joy and enthusiasm because we have you and we are following in your footsteps. Help us, Lord. We get so discouraged, down in the mouth, angry, frustrated, upset. And I put myself at the forefront of all of that. God, forgive us, cleanse us, and give us your joy because we have you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.